What comes to your mind when you hear the name God? What is God like? What is his universe like? And how does God operate within that universe? What are God's attributes, the characteristics that he possesses? Whenever we talk about God's attributes, we're trying to answer questions like, who is God and what is God like and what kind of God is he? While fully comprehending who God is is impossible for us as limited, finite beings, God does make himself known in a variety of ways. And, and we can begin to somehow try to wrap our minds around our awesome creator and God. God is unlike anything or anyone who could ever know or imagine that you could know. He's one of a kind. He's unique. He is without comparison. So describing God with mere words usually falls short of capturing who he is. Our words simply cannot do justice to describe our holy God. But in this podcast and in the ones to follow, we are going to try to do just that. Capture who is God. I'm Dr. Greg Ammons. Welcome to Truth 101, where we look at different aspects of the Christian faith. And for the next four podcasts, we're going to look at the character of God. The character or the attributes of God so we can understand what God is like. Now, theologians through the years, as they've tried to capture the essence of who God is, they have separated his attributes into two main categories. They've separated them into his incommunicable attributes and his communicable attributes. Now, what I mean by that and what theologians mean by that is incommunicable attributes are those attributes that God possesses but he does not share with humans. Those attributes God has but he does not communicate to us. We don't have them. His communicable attributes those are the ones that God does share with human beings, that, that we have the same type of attributes because we're created in His image. So, incommunicable attributes, ones that we do not share with God, and communicable attributes of our Lord that we do have in common with Him. I'm going to spend two podcasts on each of the attributes. Two podcasts on the incommunicable attributes of God and two podcasts on the communicable attributes of God. Now, before we start, uh, we'll look at the first two incommunicable attributes of God in this podcast. But before I get started, I, 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 want, I need a disclaimer. The disclaim, disclaimer is this. There is no way that we are going to capture all of who God is and understand it. There's just no way. God is way too vast. And so the disclaimer is that we will never capture all of who God is and understand it. One theologian put it this way, it's like trying to catch the largest fish in the Pacific Ocean 
with one inch of dental floss. Well, that sounds impossible, doesn't it? Well, whenever you begin to talk about the attributes of God and trying to narrow down in human terms and language that we can understand, trying to capture this immense, vast, majestic, awesome God. How do you do that? Well, an attempt in some form to wrap our minds around who God is, that's what we're going to do. So for this podcast and three more, let's give it a shot and see if we can somehow look at and understand the attributes of God. All right, his first two incommunicable attributes that he does not share with us, that we'll look at those. Number one is his independence, and number two is his unchangeability. So let's look at the first one. Number one, attribute of God, he is independent. Now, what I mean by God's independence is God does not need us. He does not need the rest of his creation for anything. He doesn't need us. You know, I've heard before sometimes humans say, well, God was lonely and he needed fellowship with other people, and so that's why he needed to create human beings. No, folks, that is absolutely false. He in no shape, form, or fashion needed us or needed anything or needed fellowship with us. He chose that. He did not need it. God is absolutely independent, absolutely self-sufficient. In fact, the Apostle Paul, he proclaimed that to the men of Athens in Acts 17, whenever he said, the God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by, by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. God asked Job in Job 41.11, who has given, first given to me that I should repay him? What is, what is under the whole heaven that's not mine? No one has ever contributed to God anything that did not come first from the God who created all things. That's what the psalmist said in Psalm 50. For every beast of the forest is mine, God said. Cattle on a thousand hills, I know all the birds of the hills, and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. He is independent and self-sufficient. Now, regarding God's existence, this doctrine also reminds us that only God exists by virtue of His very nature and that God never created nor never was created nor came into being. In fact, we see that from uh, several places in Scripture. Revelation 4 talks about, Lord, you created all things and by your will they exist and they were created from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. And you might remember God visiting with Moses in Exodus 3, 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. It's, uh, it's impossible to translate the statement, really, I, I will be what I will be. But, but God is basically saying that my dependence is not upon you, Moses, or Israel, or 
any other part of creation. I am self-sufficient. God is independent. Now, God's being is, is totally unique. We know that from Scripture. It's not just that God does not need the creation for anything. It's also that God could not need the creation for anything. Because the difference between the creature and the creator is immense. God exists in a fundamentally different order than humans exist. It's not that just that we exist and God has always existed. It's that His existence is in a much stronger, better, more excellent way. The difference between my being and God's being is like the difference between the sun and a candle. It's like the difference between the ocean and a raindrop or the difference between the Arctic cap and a snowflake. The difference is immense because with God, there is no imperfection. There's no limitation. God does not need anything. He is totally, absolutely, 100% independent. And that is so difficult for us as humans to comprehend a being that is totally independent. Now, here's the question. Someone might wonder, if God does not need us for anything, then why in the world are we important at all? Why in the world did he even create us if he doesn't need us? Well, I think the answer is found in Scripture when it says that we are created so we can glorify him and bring him joy. God speaks of his sons and daughters from the ends of the earth in Isaiah 43, 7, as everyone who is called by my name, whom I created, he said, for my glory. Although God did not have to create us, he chose to do so in a totally free choice. And he decided that our role, according to Ephesians 1 and Revelation 4, our role is to glorify Him and bring Him joy. Listen to Isaiah 62, verses 3 through 5. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall be no more deemed desolate. But you shall be called my delight, and your land married for the Lord delights in you and your land shall be married as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride your God rejoices over you ah, that's beautiful that is beautiful as to why an independent God would would create us it's so we can be his he can delight in us and we can glorify him and bring him joy I love the Zephaniah passage. In fact, I preached on it not long ago, Zephaniah 3, verses 17 and 18. It says, The Lord will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by His love, and He will sing over you with loud singing. An independent God 
loving you so much that he doesn't need you, but he wants you to bring him glory, to glorify him, and he sings over us with joy. So the first incommunicable attribute of God is that he is independent. Let's look at the second attribute. He is unchangeable. God is unchangeable. Now, what I mean by God's unchangeableness is that He is unchanging in His being, in His perfection, in His purpose, and in His promises. God's, God is unchanging. This has sometimes been called, this attribute of God has, has sometimes been called His immutability. The word immute means to unchange. And we find evidence all through Scripture that God is unchanging. Now, we, do, we can't comprehend of being unchanging because we change all the time. Our, our skin changes, our hair changes, our body changes, our moods change, our emotions change. It, it is impossible for us to imagine a being that is totally, for all time, unchanging. But that's God. Evidence in Scripture, Psalm 102. We find a contrast between things that we may think to be permanent, such as the earth or the heavens on the one hand, and then God on the other hand. So listen to the psalmist, Psalm 102, verses 25 through 27. Of old, Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish but you will remain. They will wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe and they will pass away. But you, O oh Lord, you are the same and your years have no end. God existed before the heavens and the earth were made and he will exist long after they are permanently changed. God causes the universe to change, but God himself is the same. I love what James says. James reminds his readers in chapter 1, verse 17, that all good gifts come from God. And then he says, quote, with whom there is no variation, no shadow of changing is with him. James's argument is that since good gifts have always come from God, we can be confident that only good gifts will come from the Lord in the future because His character never changes in the slightest degree. Now, how is God unchanging? Let's look at that for a moment. God is unchanging in two ways. He is unchanging in His purposes, and He is unchanging in His promises. Let's talk about both. First of all, God's immutability or His unchangeableness is in respect to His purposes. Psalm 33, 11 says, The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of His heart to all generations. So that general statement about God's counsel is then supported by several specific verses 
that talk about individual plans or individual purposes that God has for all eternity. Listen to Isaiah 46, verses 9 through 11. I am God, there's none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient time things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish my purpose. I have spoken, I will bring it to pass, I have purposed and I will do it. So folks, whenever God purposes to do something, He is unchangeable. He will do it. God is not only unchangeable in His purposes, God is unchangeable in His promises. Once God has promised you something, He will not be unfaithful to that promise. Now, you and I, we're, we're used to being around people all the time. They, they break promises. They say they're going to do something. They end up not doing it. They cancel. They change appointments. They forget. God, if God promises you something, folks, He is faithful to that promise. Bible, the Bible tells us God is not a man that He should lie or the son of man that He should change His mind. Has he said and, and he will not do it? Or has he spoken and he will not fulfill it? That passage comes from Numbers 23 and 1 Samuel 15 both. God is not like us. He, he, he does not break promises. So whatever you're going through today, know that God is unchanging in his purpose of you, but he's also unchanging in his promise. Of you. Now, the question we have is uh, Does God sometimes change his mind? And that's a question that we're going to look at on another, on a, another podcast coming up later. Very interesting question. There are times in Scripture that we're told God changed his mind. What, what did that mean? If God is unchanging, how in the world does he change his mind? And so we'll talk about that in a separate podcast all of its own because several things that we need to get into concerning God's unchangeableness uh, with regarding the passages that talk about God changing his mind. It does not affect his immutability, by the way. We'll get into that in the podcast, but it does not affect his immutability by saying that God changed his mind, and I'll show you why. A couple of other thoughts about God's unchangeableness before we close. God, one thing we know about God is he is both infinite and personal. He is infinite that he is not subject to any of the limitations that we have in general. He's far greater than anything he has made, far greater than anything else that exists. But he's also personal. He interacts with us on a personal level, and he relates to us as persons. We can pray to him. We worship him. We obey him. We love him. We speak to him. He speaks to us. He rejoices in us. He loves us. There's a, a relationship that goes back and forth with an unchangeable God. Now, apart from, from Christianity that's talked about in Scripture, there's no system of religion out there 
that has a God that is both infinite and personal. For example, the gods of ancient Greek and the, God of, the gods of ancient Roman mythology, they, they were personal. They interacted frequently with people, but they were not infinite. They had weaknesses. They, they had frequent moral failures. They even had petty rivalries. But God himself, the one true and living God, is he is infinite, but too far removed from the world to, to change, but, but not far enough removed from the world that he's personally involved in it. And so, so God is infinite and personal, although he is unchanging and immutable, that does not affect his characteristic at all. Now, one other thought before we, we close, I, I want to talk about the importance of believing the immutability of God. Why is it important that we believe God is unchanging? It, well, at first glance, it may seem like, well, that's, that's not a very important attribute of God that we affirm His unchangeableness. It's a kind of an abstract idea, and, and it's, it's not really that important, but... I, I think it, it's vitally important. Stop for a moment. Imagine, what, it would, what would it be like if God could change? What, what would it be like? Stop for a moment and think. For example, if God could change, then any change would either be for the good or for the, 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 the better or for the worst. If God changed for the better, then... He was not the best possible being we trusted in to begin with. And if he could change for the worse, imagine God becoming just a little bit more evil, and a, or evil at all, he's not evil at all, but just imagine him coming, becoming a little bit evil rather than wholly good. And then if he could become maybe a little bit evil, then why couldn't he change into becoming largely evil? And then why couldn't he change into being wholly evil? So the idea that God could change leads to a horrible possibility that thousands of years from now, we might come to live forever in a universe dominated by an evil God. What could be more terrifying? How could we ever trust such a God who could change, who had the possibility of changing? How could you ever commit your lives to a God who had the possibility of changing? We couldn't do that. So the fact that the Bible affirms and we affirm today with assurance that God is unchanging, that He is immutable, this doctrine is of utmost importance. If God is not unchanging, then the whole basis of our faith begins to fall apart and our understanding of the universe begins to unravel. But folks, because we know that the God of the universe who loves us, Yahweh of heaven, is immutable and does not change, we can have the confident assurance you can trust Him, you can commit your life to Him, you can live for Him, and you can bring glory and honor to him as he delights in you. 
Well, those are the first two incommunicable attributes that we, that, of God that we're going to look at, His independence and His unchangeableness. Join us on the next podcast as we talk about the next two incommunicable attributes of God, and we'll see you then. God bless you the rest of this week.